And just like that, it's Tuesday all over again. Happens every week from what I hear. Episode 24 of the Tartar Project. You're tuning in with me, Phil Toronto. I'm sitting down in this episode, not necessarily today, but in this episode with Ashley Stockton, founder of Sunday Forever. Ashley got her start. Well, she didn't get her start as, but she worked her way up because she's incredible to a role as a high-powered executive at a very well-known brand. But she realized she hated it and she needed an outlet and she was much more creative than the role and structure of the company was allowing her. And so Sunday Forever was born. What was their first product, you might ask? I'm glad you asked that. Probably one of the reasons you're tuning in. Kimonos. The answer is kimonos. How incredible is that? Everybody needs a kimono, in my opinion. Well, that's probably a little sensationalist, but I think everyone would do well with a kimono. I definitely want to make a reference to Pineapple Express, but it's a half-assed one because I'm not going to do the full quote. But if you know, you know, as they say. Why did I want to have Ashley on the podcast outside of just being an incredible human being? I really love the brand aesthetic of Sunday Forever. I like that she's super, super, super hands-on with everything that they are putting out into the world uh, from start to finish. I like her approach to how she launches products where she's not afraid to put something out there that may or may not resonate with the audience. She thinks it will because she did a good job of curating a community before actually really going hard with launching products, but no real fear of failure because as easily as something can get posted, it can get taken down and it's totally fine. Um, I also like how scrappy she's been. She hasn't taken any investment capital. They essentially triple their office space size every time that they move offices. They've moved, I think, three times since the brand has started. And I just think she's a force. And I wanted to highlight her and share her story with you because it's really a fun one and kind of showcases the fact that if you want to make a change, make a change. And you can. But I'll stop rambling about how awesome Ashley is, and I'll just let her tell you. So without further delay, let's get to the episode. Tartar Project, episode TBD. Not quite sure when this is going to come out, but it will definitely be in the next few weeks. I am sitting here with Kevin, but most importantly, (laughs) Ashley Stockton, founder of Sunday Forever. Can you give the Tartar Project listeners a rundown of what Sunday Forever is? Sure. First of all, thanks for having me, Phil. My pleasure. I'm a huge fan of the (laughs) Tartar Project. Um, So, you know, Sunday Forever is, is a brand that I started. I started ideating it about five years ago after I left my longtime corporate job And then um, it grew into what it is today, which is uh, lots of nice things that I created from scratch. And and I always struggle with that question. What is Sunday Forever? It's it's a vibe. (laughs) I think that's the perfect answer. (laughs) Yeah, it's a vibe. It's a, I don't know, it's um, things that I love, things that I I want to exist in the world, and uh, things that I think can make people feel a little bit better. I love that. Yeah. They're also the first set of crystals that I've ever received and and have in my apartment. Baby's first crystals. Baby's first crystals (laughs) and tea. Uh, We're going to take a bunch of steps back, as you know, since you're a listener. That's right. Uh, Where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Louisiana. 
a tiny town called Denham Springs, um, which is about an hour outside of New Orleans. Got it. Yeah. And then did you have the option of giving a shit or not giving a shit about school? Was that ever important to you growing up? I was uh, raised by a very young single mother. So I always joke that I was raised by wolves. <laughs> so I had the option to do whatever the fuck I wanted from the time I uh, was probably five. Amazing. So school never... Uh, meant much to me. I mean, I went because I think it's illegal not to go yeah, as a, as a five to. to six year old. Um, but I, 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 I wanted to work. I always wanted to work. And did you have any entrepreneurial pursuits or did you just enter the workforce? I think it was an incredibly young, potentially illegal age. <laughs> oh yeah. It was definitely illegal. <laughs> like 12. I oh think. yeah, that's right. I, um, so my mom worked at a commercial real estate company and, uh, uh, at the age of 12 or 13, I was working 40 hours a week during my summers, um, doing whatever I could find around the office. I would type labels, I would organize things, I would file, and then I would get my paycheck and I would ask my mom to go to the bank and get it in all ones. So it felt like a lot. Yeah. And then Fat I stacks. would, that's right, I wanted, I wanted a lot, and then I would go to my room and iron it and uh, stack it up real nice in my drawer. <laughs> And that is so real and true. It's so crazy because you still do that to this day, which is amazing. Well, when you came in, I was ironing my money. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Sunday Forever ironing board that's on the way. It, this is R&D. Exactly. It's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> did you go to college? I did. But I, um, I always joke that I went to Piggly Wiggly University. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real. So if, if you're familiar with the South at all, Piggly Wiggly is a grocery store chain. And I, listen, I totally respect people that are academics. Great. I love it for them. Cool. For me, I went to college because I felt like, okay, that's what you do. It's next step. Yeah. But I really didn't care. Like, a lot of my friends went to LSU, but that felt, like, too real for me. Yeah. So I went to a college, and it was, it's great. It's a university, Southeastern Louisiana University. Um, and I got a degree in psychology, and I minored in marketing. So I went. I don't remember a thing about going, except that I just, like, had to go. It's actually, I was thinking about this, and I still don't have my diploma. Like, my mom, <laughs> well, I have it. Like, I graduated, but I don't have it because... I never paid my parking tickets there oh and I gosh. just like never or a library book or something. So I still don't have the physical diploma. Like I just, I'm like, okay, yeah, checkity check, done and done. It's fun. Yeah. And I was working full time the uh, entire time I was in school full time. So, what were you doing? Oh my gosh. So I was managing a Victoria's Secret beauty store in the mall. So this is like, Gosh, I was like 19 or, tw yeah, 19 or 20, and I had like a staff. What the hell? It's so wild. Well, you had such an early start at 12. I mean, right? <laughs> you worked your way right up to <laughs> I it, worked yeah. my way up <laughs> to store manager. So 
yeah, so I was in college full time and managing a store and living on my own and paying all my own bills and just like have no idea how I how I did that now because you it's know it's kind of crazy with the whole I mean, time constraints and everything. Yeah, I mean waking up is tough these days. Right. Yeah. <laughs> chewing, yeah. chewing, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> hate chewing. Ugh. We were so talking about how she doesn't like chewing in general um, <laughs> before we started recording. So that's that's that weird context for you. I think you. I said I don't like to masticate before noon. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's it's just a policy she has. I mean, so it's just it seems like a lot of work. First thing, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Rather go the juice route. All that jaw movement. Mm. No, no time thanks. for it. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Did the managerial role with Victoria's Secret, I guess we can use the brand name of your former Sure, why situation. not? It's um, on my LinkedIn bio. Oh, great. <laughs> no, we're fine. Did that, was that a transition into corporate? They kind of recognized what you were doing yeah, at that level? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, um, it was about time for me to graduate uh, from college. And my district manager at the time, actually I was, it was Mardi Gras, I was in New Orleans. I got a call at like 8 a.m. the the morning after Mardi Gras and I was completely still drunk. And he said, Ashley, there's an opportunity for you to go and interview at the corporate office in New York. And I was like, okay, cool, sounds good. (laughs) And then I was on a plane two days later. Thankfully you remembered you had the conversation because that that could have been a whole other thing. I know. And uh, I I flew to New York by myself, which was, you know, great. Yeah, well, yeah, because... Had you been on a plane before? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I had been to New York quite a few times. Oh, got it, okay. the way you were saying, I was thinking like, like oh I my never, gosh, yeah, she had She's it. coming to, to <laughs> <Yeah>. the big city. <laughs> not nearly like that Fievel. far, for the record. Yeah. <laughs> like Fievel the Mouse. Yeah. yeah. Excellent movie, Fievel uh, right. West. So, so uh, to be fair, I, at the time, I had my boyfriend at the time lived in LA, and he was in the film industry, so I, I had the opportunity to see the world before I was like thrown into New York. But, you know, Going to New York uh, as a visitor and staying at, uh, you know, the Four Seasons is very different than coming to New York and, like, living and working. Yes. So, but I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I'm you like, thought that yeah, that I'm was like, your life now. Oh, like, yeah. This is amazing. I guess yeah. I just, like, take a carriage everywhere and it's <laughs> magic. No. So, but I, I came and I interviewed and uh, two weeks later I was offered the job. I had the balls to counter. <laughs> yeah, as you should. But you know, I, know. I yeah, mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Like, who am I even? Yeah. And I, I, but I did, and and I, uh, and they were like, cool. And then, yeah, and then I just was like living here. Yeah, you were living here. You worked your way up continuously throughout the organization. You got to a pretty ridiculous position at one point. Yeah. And then an even more ridiculous position where they essentially crafted a role for you. They did. Within the corporate structure, which is insane. Yeah, really. Um, were you were you almost a flight risk or whatever? Is that why yeah, they created well, the role? Or? No, well, so um, when I started at the company, like I said, I was super entry level and then I kind of it was in communications and then I was like okay this isn't for me but I'm gonna work my ass off and 
Also, I had no friends. I had nothing to do. I was incredibly lonely. I cried for six months. They, I mean, you know, here I am. This, like, sub, I had a, a very thick accent. I mean, they did not know what to make of me. Right. <laughs> I remember vividly the second week being there. I was in the bathroom, and I overheard two of the girls making fun of my accent. Isn't that crazy? It's like I know. movie stuff. It's yeah. definitely like movie stuff, but I waited until they left. I went outside, called my mom and cried, but then I was like, let's go, motherfuckers. Yeah, game on. <laughs> yeah. I was like, checkmate. Yeah. <laughs> so then that just like fueled me to just put my head down and work harder than everybody around me because also most of the people that I was surrounded by were Ivy League people yeah it, so it was crazy and it's just a look at me thing it's like okay yeah take your degree and I'll tell you where to put it well yeah and you know not I, that you were judging them for that but no it was I the think whole I think it was but I was intimidated culture. I was very intimidated and I thought okay my only tool that I have is just to do the work to be quiet do the work do it well and keep going and that served me my entire life so I figured okay that should work out now so then yeah, so then I think you know, it once you if you can do that and put your ego aside and really just do the work, then the people that should notice will notice, and so then you know, the VPs, the executives in the company started to notice, and then I was pulled into different roles that then eventually led to me getting into something called brand development which for me was perfect because it lets you take all of the pieces of a business and put them together. So you can work with the design team, the copy team, the product development team, the merchandising team, the operate. So you get the full picture. It's really cool. Like a CEO of a sub brand within a kind brand. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, the thing about, I left Victoria's Secret five years ago and we all know, okay, what's where the brand is now. I could see that coming, I think, before I left, but in its heyday, it, it was a brand that was extremely admired, and uh, it was like being in brand boot camp. And so I learned so many things that I never otherwise would have had visibility to. And I feel especially lucky that I was able to work in literally every area of the business while I was there and just, you know, rise up the ranks. And, um, you know, I, you know, my, I was raised with very humble beginnings and I started to realize, okay, like I'm making some money. This is pretty cool. And then you sort of get stuck in that cycle of, all right, I'm going to stay because yeah, every time... life you, is good. Life is good. Why change it? And, I should like this. And people are giving me praise and saying I'm doing a good job and, I'm, and I came from chaos and this is comfortable and secure. So, yeah, I was there for 12 years. That's amazing. And just flying around at the end of it, well, even before the end of it, but you were just getting flown around the world, yeah. doing <laughs> insane things. And the picture I'm trying to paint is... Ashley had an incredible job that yeah. people would kill for, but despite that, you weren't fully fulfilled. You weren't fully happy. You knew it wasn't what you exactly wanted to do. It 
probably didn't line up. And if I'm putting words in your mouth, no, please you're not. Like, you're, let me know. No, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. So what ended up happening at the end is they created a new role and department for me specifically. Um, and I was able to staff it and essentially write the job description. And so the job was to travel the world and bring back ideas that would then go into the three to five year pipeline for the brand. Um, so I was, you know, in the room presenting to like the top executives of the company, like top, top, where there were like, it was, yeah. So it was intense and, and here I am like still battling with, wait, why am I here? Am I supposed to be here? Right, like, yeah. is every who's gonna find out that like I am not supposed to be doing this? Right, yeah, so, a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? Oh, ma- major! Yeah. I had to put on a completely different persona to survive from the way that I looked and dressed and did my nails. It just started to feel so ew. I can't keep this up, no matter what. And you know, to your point about them being concerned with me leaving. Yeah, I try, you know, I attempted to leave a few times and, you know, what what happens when you do that? Yeah. They throw everything in the they world at you. you. Yeah. They so, do the counter themselves. Yeah, but I think it was good that I um eventually realized that it it just it wasn't something I could do anymore and I think uh it that started to express itself with like a lot of anxiety about everything going in to work on Mondays and just feeling like shit. Yeah. And so I decided that I needed to create my own reality and start from scratch. And that the first thing that you came up with or were ideating on, is that Sunday forever? What would become Sunday forever at least? Yeah. And, and that, and I didn't have know exactly the name at the time, but I knew it was going to be something around the idea of Sundays and I, um, I, I knew that it was going to be comfy, cozy, um, soothing, all the things that I used to make myself feel better to get through the day, minus the wine. Which right. <laughs> I you can make still some. have, yeah. <laughs> but I should probably add that to the yeah. assortment eventually. But like, it, it just, you know, it was no way to live. I wasn't happy. I didn't recognize myself as a human being anymore. I wasn't giving back to anyone. It was all about survival. And I thought, okay, life is like not supposed to be like this. Survival, yeah. You can choose yeah. a different path. And you did. And I did. So, But I planned. And I think that that's a really important point. You know, especially for someone like me, I don't, I didn't, you know, like, I don't have a back, I don't have an MBA, I don't know, you know, I I have the education of my job, but for me to make the leap, you know, it was really scary. It was changing my entire identity. Big time. And, And comfort of living. Yeah. And so we, with my husband, I planned for a year, saved a lot of money and just really started to think about cutting back, which was very (laughs) difficult. Daunting, yeah. You never had to do that over the career. Exactly. Not in a long time. Mm -hmm. I forgot. (laughs) And And then learn really quick. And then you learn. And then you learn really quick. And it just makes you a better person because once once you have nothing and then you have like almost anything you could want, 
you realize that it, it that's not where it doesn't really matter. It, yeah. It, and you and and you say that to people that don't have, and there's no way to understand it. So, but that's my experience, and it's just so very true. And one thing I want to highlight is just how clever the name Sunday Forever is. This actually really resonated with me when you started to tell me this story a year and a half ago when we first met. It's a nod to the feeling that you had before going to work on Mondays. Mondays, Exactly. And I always said my measure of success with this brand would be when my life started to feel like a Sunday every day of the week. I, I couldn't tell you what today is. I don't know. And I don't care because I live literally every single day the way that I, I want. And luckily I've been fortunate enough to make something that resonates with a certain group of people. And that's allowing me to continue to create and to add joy to people's lives. And it's a dream. It's still hard and we're still tiny and we've got so far to go and, and, but I'm just like, you're creating your own destiny at this point and my own like everyday reality. I don't, yeah, it's cool. Grateful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What was your first product? The robe, the robe. So I, I traveled to Japan a ton. I was lucky to be able to, to go to Japan about five times and, um, I, I, I'm just so incredibly uh, inspired by the culture, and I and I just have so much respect for um, the attention to detail, the simplicity. Um, so I stayed at uh, when I would go. I stayed at the Park Hyatt Hotel in Tokyo, which is where Lost in Translation is filmed, and it's a magical experience staying there. But there was the robe in the room that I fell in love with. And I brought it back to the States with me and lived in it. And it started to get a little bit worn. And um, I got anxious. I'm like, oh, I need, I can't be without it. It's like my whoopee, you know, like an of adult. Course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my blinky. Yeah. So I thought, I, I need to recreate this. And there were certain things about it that weren't working for me. The sleeves were a little too wide, catch on doorknobs, didn't have pockets. So I have zero experience in fashion design and I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I ended up getting the right help and the right people to help me create a pattern. And after oh, so many samples, I got it just right and I love it. And the fit is exactly the same as it was from the very beginning. And we started with 75 pieces. That was the very first product. We had, I had a website that, that you I built yourself that I taught myself on YouTube. It was like a very common theme. And it actually, it continues to be a theme that you take a stab at it yourself. Yes. Learn it. Yes. And then delegate it if necessary, yes. or just realize that you can probably just handle this too. Yeah. I'm resourceful in that way. And I think it's important to understand, have a general understanding of every part of the business uh, so that if you do choose to get help, you're well-informed enough to, to know better. To get better help, too. And to know, like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to be just knowledgeable enough to where I know what's what. And, uh, 
Yeah, but I did build the web. I built the website myself. I designed it. I taught myself in design, Illustrator, Photoshop, all the things. I used my iPhone for the first shots. I learned how to edit it. Like whatever, I did it all. And then I decided, okay, let's just like launch these babies. Yeah. They're in my apartment. Launch them, of course, as per your first forty orders. They're like, I'm like, okay, that's my aunt, my grandma. Right. I'm a little, 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 bummer. I'm but a loser. But also amazing that they were willing to support you of in that course, fashion. Of course, but you know, but at the same family, time, you're yeah. like, no, no, no. This is going to be a dramatic success. I'm not going to recognize any names. Like, yeah, I'm, well, and I'm like, you better buy it. Right. <laughs> I need some money here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just spent a lot of money on these seventy-five <laughs> pieces, so all y'all better buy one. <laughs> And, but then I'll never forget the first order that came through and I didn't recognize the name. What do you do when that happens? You stalk that person. A little bit. And I did. And I didn't know them. And I mean, it was like, whoa. Yeah. A stranger spent their money on something I made. It's amazing. I was like, okay, let's go. Yeah, let's do this. But then they all sold out and I didn't have anything. Right. And then you had to deal with that. (laughs) Right. But I did already have in my mind what else I wanted, you know, things that I wanted. I wanted to make the perfect candle. And that's a thing, too, that I've really been trying to educate uh, people on that are interested in the brand. We don't white label anything. So there's nothing wrong with that. You can absolutely go and source candles and put your label on them. But that's not how I like to roll. I'm particular, so I had been working on candles for a while, the perfect candle, because I wanted it to be clean, high quality. Um, I knew exactly the scents that I wanted. I'm lucky that I have a background in the beauty industry, so I had people to kind of help me along the way a little bit there. So that was the next um, big piece of the business. I can co-sign that the candles are phenomenal. Thank uh, you. you so graciously gifted a bunch to me. I did. My favorite is 1111. It's, it's wonderful. Best seller. It's wonderful scent. Thank you. And they burn beautifully. Thank you. Um, yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, it's it's fine, but, but you know, um, now it's really cool. Our candles, and I don't really talk about this a lot, and not a lot of people know, but... Uh, As we grow, I think giving back is something that I'm really passionate about. So much was given to me when I had nothing, very little. I was a little little piggly wiggly kid, barefoot in the grocery store. (laughs) So um, our candles are actually poured by hand in Massachusetts by a company who uh, employ female refugees who are artisans. Oh, wow. And... um, they are paid a fair living wage. So we've been able to buy a few of the women homes. That's awesome. Through our business uh, for them and their kids. So that's something that's really cool. I mean, it's, they're poured with love and purpose. Totally. Um, Just as the brand should resonate because that's what you've been building. Yeah. And so that, that, that's, I want to, I want to be able to do more of that eventually. But, uh, and then, yeah. And then we have like um, the jewelry uh, are they're all handmade at that table right there? <laughs> uh, me, uh, someone from the team, and my mother-in-law. Of course, yeah. <laughs> strong, strong I executive suite. Yeah. <laughs> in Binghamton, and she uh, sends back some bracelets. That's perfect. And they're all handmade and knotted, and 
I never take them off. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. One thing that I want to jump back to and highlight is you were very early with also creating not just the brand itself, but fostering a community around like-minded people that would eventually be your customers, not necessarily women, not necessarily men. It's just the brand resonates with a, a certain subset mm -hmm. of the population. And you took a lot of time and care into crafting that as well, which I thought was, was very early for the time on Instagram, at least. When did you start to feel that the community was taking off? Like, was there any either follower count or when certain comments started mm -hmm. to come in on posts or anything? When did it start to feel like it, that part of the business was working for you? Yeah, that's like, that's the coolest part of the whole thing. Like our community, our customers, people are everything. So I, I started our Instagram account long before we had any product just to kind of like get it down, get a vibe, see if people were like into it. Um, and then the follower thing, I made a decision early on to not let the numbers get to me at, at, at all. I, I like, I'm very, I always say this to the team, like horse blinders, you know, it's just like stay in our own lane, not looking to the left or the right. Let's just do what's right. Let's do the good stuff. So, and it, it was, it's just so pure, everything we post, that it, it either resonates with you or it doesn't. And we started to gain a very small but tight-knit community early on for people, who, and I go deep in the DMs, like that's where the action is, <laughs> like I love it. I love communicating with our, with our friends of the brand through DM constantly and that started really early being like i'm an actual real person yeah. and this is me yep and if you don't believe me here's a video yeah. of me in bed with my dog <laughs> totally, yeah. now dogs there's dogs. a trio there's, there's a, a trio, trio. There's a, that's yeah. who kevin is kevin is exactly. this adorable eight or nine week old yeah. little pupper little, little nugget who is dreaming right now he sure is but the yeah but the connection with with our community is everything Everything. Definitely. Everything. And then you also do a great job like leveraging different parts of the platform as they roll out with Instagram mm -hmm. in particular. So I've I've watched you have a lovely live wine party one time on in, the the in our yeah. garden. Yeah. Which was fun and, and so fun. People were interacting with it. And you also do a very good job with the new commerce element, I feel. So you're on the cutting edge, so it's a very important part of the brand that Huge. you're doing a great job with. And the and the people the the folks at um, shop Instagram have been super cool and generous with us in that way. And it's, it's a game changer for small brands. Um, and I, I started everything on Instagram. That's it. Uh, and it's, it's been a huge part of our success and ability to build the community that we've had the opportunity to build. We, we know our, it's, it's just the coolest. Jewelry was the third wave of product? Yep. So I um, I used to have a lot of anxiety before these big meetings um, because it, it was just a vibe in the room. And so my way, and listen, it could be symbolic or just knowing it's there, I would always have on like an evil eye bracelet on my wrist. And it just kind of felt like, okay, that's there. I'm cool. And then um, 
And then I decided to start making them myself. So I taught myself how to make them, and I found this, sorry, New York City. It's okay. <laughs> Honking. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the appeal of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I found this lovely man out of Turkey who I still source all of our charms for. And I, yeah, I just learned how to make make the, the knots and the bracelets, made them for my friends. And um, now it's become like quite a big part of our business. It's amazing. Completely unexpected. Do you have a particular strategy or approach to launching a new product line within the business? Or is it kind of, this feels right. I'm going to go with my gut on this one. This is the next product. Yeah. So, uh, my strategy is to suddenly be like, I like this, let's do it. (laughs) And then when it's ready, we go. Um, and I'm lucky, like, you know, if you work for a really big company, you know how long it takes for anything to come to life. I like to move real fast, see if it clicks and resonates, and then move on. So I'm all about that testing life. And um, it's so cool. I can create a product today, photograph it, put it up on Squarespace on my phone, and then put it on Instagram and done. Off to the races. Hour, two hours. See if it works. We keep going. If it doesn't, all right. So you'll, you'll pull it down. No problem. No problem. Perfect. No problem. No pride. No ego. That's good. No, (laughs) no, not in business. Yeah. (laughs) One thing that we were talking about when the mics weren't on that I wanted to highlight that I think would be valuable for the listeners to hear you trust yourself immensely, but there are certain periods where like we touched upon before, there's maybe imposter syndrome or something Mm and you, you'll test out an agency or you'll test out this other thing and see that you probably know how to do it better. Mm -hmm. And I feel as the business evolves, as you evolve, you're getting better and better with actually trusting yourself and knowing like, now I'm probably on the right path. I got to this point for a reason. And it's really important to actually listen to your intuition in that way. And, and to still run those tests because you don't know, but you kind of know, like you got this. So I think that's important for the listeners to hear that Mm -hmm. that's, that's probably the right approach. Yeah. And I think it depends. Like the way that I choose to run this business is slow and steady and how I feel like, you know, that's also why we have never taken investment. I put 25 K into the business to start it and I haven't put in a dime more. And out of that 25K, I made a $10,000 mistake. My first big mistake of not trusting myself, I hired a fucking branding agency. Meanwhile, that was what I did. Yeah, and the lifeblood of the brand is yeah, but that's what I and that's all, yeah. yeah, and that's what I did in my job. And so I think there's something about uh, the vulnerability and putting yourself through a brand out there that can be like, people don't like it and it's me. Yeah. And so I think that that was an ex- my first exercise in doubting myself, paying someone to do branding, which is my strong, that's my skill set. Yeah. And then not using any of it. And that was my first lesson. And then, you know, there's these little things where you start to doubt yourself. I hired a very like, well, this big fancy PR agency and it lasted for three months and I was like, okay, never going to do that again. Yep. <laughs> I mean, 
God bless. Yeah, but it for works me, for certain yeah, yeah. things, but God, it does yeah. not work for you in for Sunday Forever. No, and not for the way that I... I, I have to vibe with anybody that's in my world. I've worked really hard to earn that. Uh, and so, yeah. And then my most recent uh, lesson was um, uh, attempting to work with a, uh, what is it? Like a, what is it even called? A marketing agent, an ad agency? Yeah, or a paid, like a paid, paid agency, paid marketing. Facebooky thing. And so... <laughs> And I was like, um, wait a minute, um, we can do it better. Yeah, your system was working. Already. Yeah, it was working. There was working. no secret sauce that they had. Yeah. yeah, and I think that was, you know, the third time's a charm. And it really just goes back to fear and me still being a human that's insecure and thinking somebody can do it better. But every, you know, every time I'm learning, like, no, I got this. We yeah. got this. And, uh, and even even if it is only eighty five percent or something, that's probably actually better. Yeah. To keep it in house and something you're comfortable with. Yeah, and and um, and you know, I everybody that's a part of the brand is, you know, very much handpicked. The team is super tight. That's how I like it. Um, I had to manage people for a long time in my career, and I I think. I figured out that like I'm not really into that as much. I like I like people. I like collaboration, but I don't think that I am into managing big teams. And so I, I've learned that about myself. So I've intentionally kept the team really tight and uh, kept it fresh by bringing in new people, consultants, freelancers all the time lots of part-time people, keeping it fresh. Because I think one of the things that I saw in my past life is this, the way that uh, uh, people in a company can get very stagnant very quickly, and that's not what I'm about. I need energy, freshness, Clearly, vibe. The Let's second go. that you felt that, you started planning for your yeah. exit so that yeah. you could get out of exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. That makes total sense. So, yeah. Lots of learning. <laughs> of course, always learning. Yeah, <laughs> always, always learning. What are you excited about over the next 12, 24 months? Not necessarily just for Sunday Forever or just anything in your life. I, I, I'm excited to just keep going and do more. I, I can't believe three years in that this is working for my dining table. Now I'm here. Like what? I, I'm content and. I want to do more of what we're doing. I do want a baby animal farm upstate. Amazing. In the next 24 months. Great. Any particular animals? Yes. Or just, okay. Pygmy goats, angora bunnies, chickens, maybe a baby horse. We'll see. Maybe. Mm -hmm. See if the horse plays its cards right. That's right. I understand that. That's, that's the long game goal. <laughs> I love that. It's yeah. amazing. So real. <laughs> I feel it. I, can, I can't wait to visit it. I can see it's going to be magical. And it's also going to be beautifully designed. I'll, Thank you. I'm very aware of that. Yeah, I think so. And gar in a big garden. Oh, at the farm or at separately? At the farm. Well, it'll be there, but yeah. I'll have like a, a, a tiny farm hand maybe. Oh, amazing. Help me out. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the dream. That's a good dream. Yeah. Do you have a life motto or mantra before I let you go that you would like to share with the Tartar Project? It's listeners? always changing. 
But right now, I'm very much about uh, stop talking, start doing. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Very strong one. Yeah. How do you apply that to your life All, right now? Every single day. I, I'm i not a big... I, <laughs> I, I don't like a lot of words. This is a lot of words. I love it because I love talking to you. But I have a very... I always have had a very clear vision of what I want. And it's in my brain and I just like to execute and go. I don't like to wait. It drives me crazy. Like I think it's super hot when someone has an idea and they execute on it. Like what's hotter than that? Nothing. And then the flip side of that is what's less hot than someone <laughs> having an idea and not executing on it. So I'm talking I think, about it for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or, you know, I think just, just like, my sign over there, it says, Shh, just do it. Like, just not just do it. That's Nike, but do it. Um, because talking isn't per, like, just stop, go. Mm-hmm. That's I it. I love that. Yeah, let's go. Thank you so much for doing this. This came out fantastically. Phil, thank you. My pleasure. You're so good at this. Ah, ah. I paid you to say that. <laughs> he did. Just <laughs> kidding. He didn't. <laughs> Another fun one in the books. If that was your 24th episode that you tuned into, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for just the consistency and the support. I really appreciate you listening. If that was your first episode or any number under 24, thank you so much. I truly appreciate you spending the time with me. So it means a lot and I really appreciate it. So with that being said, now I have the ask of you subscribing, giving me five stars on iTunes, following me on Spotify, throw me on a playlist if you're so inclined. Tell your friends about the Tartar Project. I would love to grow this, get more listeners hearing the stories of these brands. So if you could do that for me, I truly appreciate it. If not, no stress. I appreciate you listening either way, and I'll catch you next week.